0: This is the Learn Lead Podcast with your hosts, Tony V and Landon Archangelo, coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders.
1: We are recording. So, I am so excited to have one of my favorite people in the world. James has been one of those guys that I keep in the loop, and uh, we stay in contact.
2: James, it's good, brother. What's up, guys? How you doing? It's awesome to be here. Got a little little something something going today. Talk yeah, man. I'm excited to ones. hear
0: kind of about what's going on in your world. What's so? I'll just get right into it. I, you know, Tony hit me up and said that you know you wanted to come on, and we had talked to you going back and forth, and said you're playing some pro ball, and you guys played played ball together in college. Yep. So can you kind of run me through? you know, where you are right now and then kind of step back and go through your college career and kind of talk about your journey with baseball?
2: Yeah, so right now I'm going into my first full season, got spring training coming up in a couple of weeks now. Um, last year, I didn't get drafted, but a couple of days after I got a call and signed as a free agent. Um, I started off in advanced rookie ball before I even uh, played my first professional game, got sent down to uh, regular rookie ball in Arizona. Uh, I spent a couple weeks there. I got sent to low A in Iowa for one, ga- uh, one day, made an appearance, pitched one inning, um, got sent back to advanced rookie ball in Utah, met them on a road trip. I was there for a couple weeks. Um, then I got sent to high A in Southern California. Uh, I was there for, I think it was like a seven or eight days. After my last outing there, I, I was in the weight room, crushed my finger with a weight, and they sent me back to advance rookie ball and finished the year there. So it was a very, uh, very eventful first year in Pro Bowl.
0: And what what organization are you with? Have you switched organizations multiple times? Did you go with one one organization? Yeah, so I'm I'm with the LA Angels right now. Interesting. So so you so you're talking about all these different these different leagues you're popping around to. What what does that world look like? I you know, I'm someone who understands baseball, played baseball to a certain extent, but not past high school, so that my understanding of of the pro baseball world is it's very little, and I would assume that honestly, probably most of the people listening don't have an extensive knowledge on that. So, so how does that all work, and what are all the levels, and and what's the path to get to obviously to to the top?
2: Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned, you got um, most organizations have some type of rookie ball or a short season A, and that's for you know the draft guys coming in, it's a couple, a couple months long. Then after that, you got um, you know low A or full season A. You got high A, double A, triple A, and then you got the MLB. So, I mean, guys, that I even play with. You know, I play with some guys that were twenty seven years old that haven't made it past high A, and uh, you know, it's a big journey to get there. You know, a lot of people think you know the best guys in the world they they get drafted or whatever and they go right to the show. I mean, you look at um, Vladimir Guerrero Junior. You know, he's a guy who. Had premier talent and he's up in the bigs right now, but he was down in the minor league for, I want to say about two years, two years or so. And that's a dude that he's got top level talent, you know, a young dude, but you know, you still got to serve your time, make your way up. Um, so it's a big road to get there. You know, like I said, not a lot of people understand the, uh, the lower level system. They think, you know, you go right to MLB, make the big money and everything, but it's not like that. The minor
1: league system is kind of just a a big grind and of eating shit until you get to the majors. You're literally making no money at all, living with four to five guys, sharing meals and uh, scraping up dollars, anything you can to uh, to get by just so you could have that dream in mind. It's a little screwed up, the, the whole financial aspect of it, because everyone at the top is getting paid so much money and they're leaving these guys out to dry. You know, but thankfully it couldn't have happened to a better guy. He got signed and I'm his
0: biggest fan right now. It seems like it seems pretty, it seems like a little cutthroat. I mean, you, you hurt your hand, you're getting shipped off somewhere else the next day kind of thing. So you, so what's the, what's it like walking into these locker rooms, not really knowing when you're going to get tapped on the shoulder and, you know, get sent up or sent over or sent wherever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the biggest thing is you like, you can get released at any point. You know, and it doesn't matter who you are. I'm sure if you got money tied into you know, you'll stay uh stay around a little longer. But, um, but I mean, it, it kind of it gets that competitive competitiveness out of you. You know, like you gotta show up day in day out, get the field early, get your lifting if you have to lift, get your throwing done pregame, get your work in, get your bullpens. Um, you know, then it's game time and you gotta perform. Um, so I mean, to me, to me, it's awesome. You know. You gotta, you gotta have mental strength to hang in there every single day. You know, I, I was only there for two and a half months, three months. Where guys do this for five, six, seven months if they're making playoffs and everything. So, um, it is cutthroat. You know, like I said, I think it, it gets the good out of guys like who are competitive. Um, so I like it. I know a lot of people. You know, even people that I play with. You know, they're talking about, you know, this is this is t- terrible. You know, we don't make any money. You know, it's such long sta- long days. You're getting there at around, like, noon to 1 o'clock in the afternoon, not leaving until 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, but, I mean, my dream's to be a pitcher in MLB. So, you know, I got I to gotta do what I got to do at this point. Is there a is there a window
0: for you where you're going to say, okay, look, I'm going to give myself five, six years, and I'm going to, you know, roll around in the farm system and, and see if I can get, you know, get my call up. And you're going to say, well, I'll, you know what? too late, like I'm taking too much time, you know, I want to kind of step into the next world. Do you have a, do you have a plan B in mind or do you tell yourself, you know what, no plan B, I'm giving this all I got. That That's the only real way you're going to make it kind of, kind of attitude.
2: Yeah. I mean, since I was in high school, I've always had, you know, baseball is going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, Obviously, like you were kind of saying, if it's five, six years down the road and I'm still sucking low A and you know, my fiance now, you know, maybe we have kids at the time and you know, we need money or I need to be there. Maybe I'll be able to make a the decision then. But as of now, it's all for me, it's all baseball. You know, I'll play as long as I can. Um, So I, I don't have a time frame right now. Like I said, maybe it'll change down the road with whatever else comes comes along in life. So. And you're a pitcher. So you uh, that's that's what you said, correct? Yeah. Guy's got a fucking rubber arm,
1: literally a rubber arm. It's uh once again, I'm sorry for to keep interjecting for you. I know Landon wants to keep the, the posture of this conversation since James is my friend. But uh, just a like a, a, a little bit of background on James when we were playing together. This guy, hours before the game, you just see him doing everything to get his arm in check in the dugout, whether he was pitching or not, just throwing plyo balls against the wall. Everything he could do to try and gain his velo up so that he could get an edge. Guy's got a wipeout slider. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy to see him after a season where he was basically forced to throw at least over a hundred pitches every start, guy threw the, one of the most innings in the country. He's had the most strikeouts, which equals, unfortunately, the most pitches in the same uh, in the, at the same time. And for him to go out and pitch in professional ball right after that, like my arm would be hanging. So I just got to give you credit for that. That's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, I, it was funny. Like now that you bring that up, I had guys that you know they're coming out of college and um you know they're shut down like they are high draft picks they're shut down for the season you know they're getting getting their work in they're doing what they gotta do but i have one of them say something. i forgot who it was that said it but uh he was like yeah dude i threw 74 innings this year like I'm, i'm shot and i'm thinking i'm like dude i i threw 74 innings like like a month and a half ago like like that like i i mean and i'm not saying i'm better than him but like to say that he shot like like i just know the work that i put in like set me up to be able to to do all the throw all the innings and you know and then show up a month later and be able to pitch in games
0: so so how many innings did you throw in uh in your college season
2: alone uh last year i want to say it, it was around 115ish 115 120 with playoffs mm. i free i mean it was it was a good chunk over 100 i'm not positive what the number was but and i also my junior i also pitched over 100 innings
0: and based on what you're saying, that that's above average on, in that world, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Usually, I want to say anywhere from like sixty to eighty five is like what a normal to quality starter in college would normally pitch throughout a regular season. And and you said you're you're a righty. Yeah. What's it like going
0: to these teams and you get these pitching coaches? Do you got, do you have guys try to alter your mechanics? Do you have guys? Do you have good relationships with these guys? Do you do you
2: have pitching coaches you don't like? Uh, what's that um,
0: relationship like? Been been like for you traveling, hopping around from team to team with different pitching coaches?
2: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, like I said before, like going to all these different teams, it was awesome meeting all these you know different players, different coaches. Um, so it was awesome experiencing all this. One of the got one of my favorite pitching coaches, and this isn't to belittle anyone else, but one of my favorite pitching coaches was when I was in Utah with the in uh, Advanced Rookie Ball, uh, Brian Garman, who's now with the. Now with the Cleveland, um, sorry, the Cincinnati Reds, he, uh, you know, he helped me kind of take video, work on my slider, try to improve it, make it even better than it was coming into the, into pro ball, um, you know, kind of tell me what I need to do to, to get to the next level, and that kind of not only did it change my mindset in season of what I'm trying to work on, but also this whole five month off season that I've been doing, you know, trying to throw harder, work on different mechanical adjustments to put myself in better positions to throw harder so he was he was one guy that you know i made a very good connection with and it wasn't anything you know we didn't we weren't like best of friends but he had that you know dry uh dry cut like you get you just gotta be better kind of attitude and i i like that and he was a good uh one of my favorite pitching coaches so far
0: that's cool man that's cool tony you got anything to add on on all that
2: uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, because I know in the
1: last episode, we shared my story a little bit about how my career ended. James had a front row seat to the whole thing. <laughs> uh, what was going through your mind when you saw me get ejected out of that
2: game? Um, I mean, at first, I, I I really didn't know what the hell happened. Like, I'm looking like, you know, we just lit up a nuke. Like, so, like, immediately, it's like, heart sinks. It's like, ah, oh, shit, like... That Set the happened. scene, though.
0: Set the scene on the situation, so okay, people okay. listening can yeah, kind
2: yeah. of feel the vibe of what the what was at stake here. Yeah, so I mean, if we won that we we go to the, was that championship or is that yeah, free? we would go to the super regional. Yeah, so it's game one to win the regional, um, and we got a solid pitcher out there, and you know I'm on the bench, I'm screwing my ass off because you know I, I just pitched the day before, two days before, whatever it was, and I'm screwing my ass off. We're all hyped up. You know, we're we're thinking we're winning this no matter what. Everyone's super confident, playing a very solid game. Uh, I'm screwing my ass off. Kid hits a nuke. So everyone, you know, immediately everyone drops. You hear the other team screaming. We're all looking at watching the ball. You know, this dude hit this thing like like it was crushed, right? So we we all watch it, and then we look back, and obviously we see Vags, you know. He's looking at the umpire. You know, they're going back and forth. Everyone's like, what the hell's going on? You know, because this dude hit a bomb, so we didn't see him push the dude. We didn't see him really. The guy pimp it, um, yeah. So what does that mean? What does that what does that mean when you say the guy? Oh, what, what was that? Uh, pimping it. You know, like crushing a home run. He stands there, watches it, or you know, you see guys do bat flips and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so a little baseball lingo for you. <laughs> Got it. so he pimps it, right? So you stand there, push him, but we don't see that because we're you know we're watching the ball, and next you know he's he's thrown out. So everyone's arguing, uh, coach Gaffney's run out there seeing what the hell happened. Cause I don't even know if he realized what, what even happened. Um, but, you know, in the moment it wasn't like, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Cause it's like, oh, okay. Like, like we just went down. If anything, we have next game, maybe we'll come back. We'll have, we'll have, uh, Vags catch in next game. It's whatever. Um, but you know, obviously it didn't work out that way. You know, we couldn't play the following game. So you guys
0: got you guys got basically kicked out of the tournament. Yeah. So, but
1: by, by the way, Vags is some other stupid nickname that came up for me in college. <laughs> uh, uh. So yeah, basically, I knew the gravity of the situation. Like I said, I always try and keep a cool head and like really understand the gravity of each situation, no matter what i um, if uh, how crazy it is in in the moment. And I knew as soon as he threw me out that I was ejected for the second game. So everyone thought that I was arguing because of the ejection, all I was arguing was like, Hey, let's confer as an umpiring crew and let's, let's try and get me into the second game because like, I'm not I'm, uh, James. Understand, like, I was one of the, the the key pieces to our team as the catcher and it followed into the next game, which even sucked even more because I had a little bit of control of the, the, I had a little bit of influence on the pitching situation of the next game and we were depleted in pitching wise. And if it was in my if it was in my hands, I would have had James out there pitching to close the game because we took an early lead in about the fifth inning, and he would have just been lights out the rest of the game. so I want to talk a little bit about how did it feel that our season and college career ended with you walking out to the bullpen by yourself to warm up and just standing there watching you not go into the game in the most
2: pivotal moment of our entire careers yeah, so before I got into that moment, I want to back it up a little bit right before the game started. Um, you know, the reason why our All-American freshman didn't pitch the first game when we wound up losing was he – he I think he wound up tearing his meniscus. So, like I said, another, he had a pitch. So, by that, that fourth game of the weekend, we our fourth starter pitched game three. So, now we don't have a main starter. So, before the last game starts, I'm out there talking to head coach, hitting coach, assistant coach. We're all standing in the outfield, and I'm like – I'm not even, I'm past the point of begging. Like I'm basically like, I'm almost demanding. I want to pitch. You know, I'm like, I want to pitch. I feel good. I've been doing my recovery. Like I want to go like game on the line. Like, give me the ball. And uh, obviously I didn't wind up starting, but they told me, you know, if we get a lead and it's late in the game, like we'll bring you in. So like uh, Anthony said about the fifth inning, we had a lead. Um, Assistant coach looks at me and goes, Rella, go down there. So I picked up my weighted balls, my glove. I sprinted out there. I got loose. I didn't start throwing yet, but I got loose. Um, Another inning or so go by um, and no one signaled down to start warming up yet. And we had the lead and it was like the sixth inning or maybe going into the seventh. So I just started throwing. I started throwing off the mound. I was maybe a couple like high intensity pitchers ready from going in. And I had the kid that was sitting out there. Shout out Pat McCabe. He was uh, he was sitting out there with the phone. I'm like, call in coach Gaff right now. Tell him, tell him I'm ready to go. He's like, James, I can't do that. I'm like, tell him I'm going in the game. He's like, I, I can't do that. I'm not the coach. So, a couple, you know, a couple batters later, guy on. Then that, that home run happens to, for them to take the lead. Um, another, like I said, another home run for us to lose the lead late in the game. So, at that point, I had another inning or so that I was just standing in the bullpen, you know, staying loose, hoping to get a lead. Um, and then obviously we wound up losing, didn't get any runs after that. So along with Anthem, you know, my my college career ended from me standing in the bullpen, him watching up on the hill over there, not being able to play. So, I mean, it was just a it was a very heartbreaking way to end the game, knowing that, you know, obviously you want to overthink things, say, oh, maybe if they put me in earlier, we would have won. But it was just a very emotional, heartbreaking, like just terrible way to lose and you know it stuck with stuck with him more than it did with me um you know obviously i had the chance to play and he didn't so
1: i had to actually dress down and i was i had to sit in right field like in the stands to watch the second game because of the stupid ncaa rules so it was so tough i could, I was losing my shit because of the fact that in the middle of the game we get a chance to go up bases loaded Guy hits a, it should have been an easy triple down the line. You see the chalk on the baseline go up. And I don't say this term lightly. The umpire absolutely fucked us (laughs) in every sense of the word, called it a foul ball. uh, End up, we get into a double play after that, and that inning ends. And then to watch one of the best pitchers in America not go in in a closing situation to win the game and allow, in, in a little bit selfish, allow me to be able to play another game as a team to be able to make the College World Series. It was just, heartbreaking man it was it was tough
0: so james your your career ends uh not how you wanted it to in college but you know that there's something going on beyond where you were you know at the college level so what's what was that window of time where you said to yourself okay this is over it didn't end how i wanted it to but you know it's time to take steps towards the next level and, and what did those steps look like for you and how long did that take you to really transition out of your college season into the, the next level?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like me personally, like I, I shut down, like when that game ended, like, you know, everyone coaches given speeches, you know, on a great season, it was the last season together with everyone. Um, and like, I, I don't know what it was. It was just, I, I, like, I shut down. Like I, I took in all the stuff, all the scenery, all the words being said, but like, I I couldn't do anything, and I've never really spoke about it until really until now. But um, I, I like I really I sat there, I didn't say anything. People came up to me, like I just couldn't speak. Like it was just so in my mind, it was so locked in that we were just gonna win the regional and move on to the super regional, go to World Series, and you know it. We were cut so short that like in I was just so it just hit me so hard, and that one moment and. I really couldn't do anything about it. And I just sat there for the whole time. Everyone's getting ready. Probably about two hours into our bus trip. I was just sitting there. Like I didn't look at my phone. I didn't text my girlfriend. Um, I had other texts. I didn't know who it was from. Like I just didn't do anything. I was just sitting there like completely mentally shut off. Um, Towards the end of the trip, I finally like, you know, I finally realized like, you know what? Like I'm not going to ruin it for myself and everyone else if not like seeing me the last day where we're all together so i kind of kind of finally pulled myself together started talking a little bit you know we got back to school a couple another couple hours later all chilled out you know had a good last night together but it was definitely tough in the beginning um i expect myself to you know i expect to get drafted so it, it was in the back of my head um so the next day you know i got back up <clears throat> woke up you know felt felt really shitty um, body felt like crap. You know, we were out there till like 4am that fu- that last night. Um, but I got up, started my throwing, uh, took a light run just to get my body back at it. Um, you know, then I brought all my stuff home from the dorms and, uh, really just continued with, as if I'd be pitching the following weekend, you know, I got my long toss day, got my, my lifts in, got my throwing done, um. And it was really like, it was as if I was preparing to, to pitch again every single week up until the draft. Um, so, like I said, I shut down immediately. And the final day, it was just, you know, I expect myself to be playing professional ball in a little bit. So, like, I got to prepare for it.
0: That turnaround
2: was, was very,
0: very quick for you. I mean, you 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 didn't seem to really put on the, the uh, you, you didn't feel sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, longer than you than you really wanted than you needed to. I guess you turned around the next day and got right after it. What is your what's your routine and work ethic look like? You know what has it looked like in the past and kind of how's it evolved to where you are now and and where do you see it changing if if in any at all?
2: Yeah. So I mean, uh, really, my my true work ethic with trying to become the best baseball player I can be, it really it truly started my uh my sophomore fall. We had a guy who came in. He coached the fall. JP Lipovac. He came in after his um, his grad year, playing with us. He fought, he came back. He brought in, you know, weighted baseballs, like this whole different long toss program, uh, a different style of lifting. And I kind of just from there then on, I kind of just, you know, I bought into it. Um, really long tossing, you know, a couple times a week, trying to th- trying to throw as hard as I can to throw hard um, really, uh, really buying into, you know, getting my, get my workouts in every single day, whether it's, uh, whether it's trying to squat 500 pounds or, um, bench a certain amount, or even if it's a certain mobility day where it's something light, but it's still that having that mental, um, mental knowledge of like, you know, what you're doing day in, day out. And that's really been what I've been doing for, for about three or four, four years now.
0: How does lifting impact you on the mound? Do you find days you lift you, you got to throw or do you feel the you know do you have a good regiment where you, a system at least to help keep your arm healthy mm-hmm. um at least throughout that process coming from you know I played quarterback in college yeah and I was always fighting that battle and that balance of you know putting on muscle maintaining strength but also keeping the integrity of my mechanics not being too tight up top in the shoulders um, and also just taking care of your joints and your ligaments as well. So what's your what's your take and your whole philosophy on that on that side of the,
2: of the spectrum? Um, yeah, so I mean, in, in, like in college, I was a starter, so I had six days in between starts where I'd have a couple of really heavy lower body, upper body lifts, um, and then to keep the mobility and everything, I, I had you know I had two two days that I dedicated to mobility training alone where. You know, I'd still be in the gym for about an hour, but it was working on flexibility, mobility, um, you know, going to the trainers, getting them to work on me, making sure, you know, I'm not building up, getting, not getting too tight. Um, and that it was really like, it was really just getting as strong as I can, uh, getting as mobile as I can, and just trying to become like the best, like best athlete that I could be. You know, even though I'm a pitcher and I'm trying to do certain things, like, I still want to become, you know, the best athlete. I want to be fast, strong, um, durable. So it kind of all, you know, like I said, like I have certain days I do certain types of lifting, but every day I'm doing something to try and, you know, keep myself healthy, stay strong, and just kind of keep doing it to get better.
0: You played baseball at, at LIU Post. Um, very, very, very strong program in a lot of the athletic programs. Division two though. Um, and so obviously, you know, I'll speak from my knowledge and just in the football world, if you're going to a division two school, your chances of making it to the next level are are a lot smaller, right? And and you did mm-hmm. make it to the next level. So what you know, what advice do you have to someone who's playing college ball, you know, at a D two school, D three school, not playing at the biggest at the biggest university, but you know, obviously has what it takes uh to make it to the next level. Do you have any advice for people that are in college right now? playing ball with dreams
2: to make it to the next level? Yeah. I mean, like, it, like if you're good enough, you're going to get seen whether if it's throwing 95 miles an hour, if it's hitting, you know, 15 home runs that you're crushing a ball off of whoever you're facing. Um, like for me, if you have a very good slider and you can strike a ton of people out, like if you could be the best at your level, like it, it puts you in a position where, you know, you've shown what you have. And if you get the opportunity or if you don't, you know, if you're that good at, at the level you're at, there's nothing really else to, to you know doubt about yourself. Like I, the past two years of college, I, I believe that was one of the best college pitchers. I you know there was certain innings or certain games. I was like, I got, damn, I, I could have been a little better here or there. But an overall picture of my last two years, like I felt that I did everything I possibly could have done to put myself in the best position to to move on to the next level. And for anyone else that, you know, they're trying to get there, um, just being the absolute best, like dominating your your level of play, like no matter D1, D2, D3, like it doesn't matter if you're that good, like you're going to get seen. And
1: that speaks to James's character and the prep- the trust in his preparation, because of the fact that he had every excuse in the book to say, ah, it's okay, I'll just mail it in and I am I won't make it, you know, because he's not the tallest they look for tall pitchers James doesn't throw 97 miles an hour but he's a grinder you get out there I don't know if you ever watch Max Scherzer pitch but that guy is an animal and you you're scared of him when you get in the box as a hitter and James is like foaming out the mouth just wanting to destroy you every second he gets and then he's like the nicest guy off the field too it's it's great he's a he was an awesome leader I was glad that he was able to get seen by a couple people and have some people trust in him to give him a chance and that's why we're doing this uh we're not out here saying James is, has made it by any means because he would say that out of a scale of 10, he's at probably less than a five of where he wants to be. Would you agree?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, to be straight up honest with you and like no bullshit, like my goals is to be a pitcher in MLB and whether I'm a starter or reliever, like I want to win a Cy Young or be the best reliever, get the reliever of the year. And that's not in a selfish way. It's I'd want to be the best. So for me to be, you know, only going to my first uh, full year of pro ball, like, you know, to not try and sound like a douche, but if like getting to college for me, it was like, I'm like, I expected to beat in college. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a crazy step. It was like, I, I know I'm going to play college baseball. I need to do that for, for myself to move on. And last year, um, even though I didn't get drafted, I was in the same exact position. You know, I'm playing with dudes that are getting drafted in the 10th round, whatever, Um, or in the previous years they're the first second round picks. Like I played with guys. So in my eyes, I like I'm on the path to get where I want to be, and I'm nowhere near it yet. But I'm pl- I'm at the same level regarding of how I started.
1: So, how'd you go about uh, weaving out the people that didn't believe in you? That and anyone that you they were like, "Oh, what do you want to do with your life after baseball?" And you're
2: like, "I want to place. I want to play professional baseball and make it to the major leagues." Yeah. So, before I go into like my friends that weaved out, like I saw that kind of negativity from you know teachers. You know, starting middle school like oh you gotta pick a realistic goal like yeah just because it's not realistic for you doesn't mean it's not realistic for me like yeah it might be a little it might be hard to get there but that's my goal you know um so it I've been hearing that stuff since I was younger um from teachers you know some coaches you know they they might believe in me but they, they still say it you know it's like why do I have to have that plan b you know if I'm going all in for something um like I'm gonna go all in I'm not gonna have that plan b and so with the friends you know uh i wouldn't say it's so much that i cut them off for for not pushing me or believing in me it's more like i almost don't have the time and day to put my energy into extra people that aren't truly there for me so um you know anthony is one of my if i had to put a number on it, one of my like five six friends i still talk to and we not we might not hang out all the time or every day or whatever but you know we still carry by each other we keep in touch we'll catch up here uh here and now and do whatever um, whenever we can. But, you know, day in day out, I have baseball. Like I got to throw run, take care of my body, try and eat as well as I can. I have my fiance. So I'm hanging out with her all the time, helping her with. Um, well, right now we're trying to set up our engagement party. So we're busy with that. Where if I add in extra people where, you know, they're not rooting for me or they're not, then they don't have the same belief that I do. Then like the, why am I going to be around you? And, i started doing i started realizing that in uh going to senior high school so you know and it's not that i don't care about those people like i do like i valued our relationships when we were younger it was you know they gave me lessons whether it was good bad um but you know i got to a point where i was like if i want to get to the next level like i can't be you know going out partying and that's all they want to do they want to go out drink and do this and that like uh, so i stopped doing that and that's kind of that's what i did all of college you know um once I started my work ethic, like I said in that sophomore year when I really, really like was a hundred percent all in. You no, know, I, I didn't, I never went out. You know, people would ask me to pick them up from parties cause I'm sitting in my dorm where I'm exhausted from the day of training or um, like I'll, I'll, I'll skip out on things where people want to go get pizza. Like, but it's like, Hey, I need 80 grams of protein in for dinner. Like I'm going to go to the school cafe and, and get grilled chicken and vegetables where it, it was that level of, you know, if, if it's not in my plan of day, like, like, I'm sorry, like I can't do it. And you know, that that's been going on for years. So.
0: So James, I'm a, I'm a scout for whatever team and I come to watch you play. What are, what are some things I should be looking at? What are your strong suits? What
2: what's, what's James bringing to the table as a pitcher? Um, So, I, I mean, besides like my actual pitches and stuff, like, for me, it's, it's competitiveness. you know, like I'm going out there, like I want to beat you. It doesn't matter if I'm facing the nine hitter on a bad college team or if I'm facing, you know, if I'm going to be pitching, against Mike Trout, you know, like, like if it's the worst or the best, like I still want to go, go out and beat you and it doesn't matter who people think I am and, and who, or who the other person is. Like it's a one-on-one battle in that, in that situation. So for me as a pitcher, like, I want to be competitive and like, I'm just trying to win. And besides that, like actual pitches, like for me, it's my slider. You know, that's, I believe I developed that over the past couple of years. Um, and it's still developing, still trying to make it even better, spin it faster, throw it harder. Um, but th- those are two things that for me, I would say are my, my strengths. Top three
0: big leaguers you want to strike out tomorrow.
2: <laughs> uh, so even though he's on, he's in the same organization. I'd have to say Trout. You know, he's the best baseball player uh, right now. He might be the base, best baseball player ever. Um, with that said, if I go back in time, I'd like to face Barry Bonds. You know, he's. Pro- I would say he's the best hitter of all time. Um, so it would be Trout, Bonds, and then that last guy. Maybe I'd go with uh, a current star, maybe like Vlad Jr. Uh, Someone mm-hmm. like that at that level, that would be pretty cool. See a young guy because he has that same competitive, wants, wants to beat you. So there's a couple of guys.
1: Referring back to the uh, the scout thing that you asked, Lennon, I would also say you watch this guy. If, if Most scouts try and get there before the game too to watch the uh, the demeanor and the way that the, the player goes about their business. You watch this kid prepare, and it's a it's major league preparation. This kid's getting ready – for a start but he's also doing his prehab making sure that his arm's gonna be good doing his recovery it's uh it's impressive also another thing that stands out is his iq his ability to read batters and that's that's what created a, a bond for us is the, the, the our ability to gel as a pitcher catcher battery everyone knew it was just like this is he knew what i was gonna call i knew what he wanted and it was like this kid barely shook me off for a different pitch about maybe once a game at most it was something special it was really truly an honor to be able to uh to to call us call his game and watch him
0: go about his business what is reading a batter what is that what's defined what you're talking about there
2: it i'll go ahead and speak for that. it it's really like you know if you beat a guy with a fastball in and you know he's just way late And if you do it again like it's just like all right he's either not seeing it or he's looking for something else and that's where you you pick that up really quickly. You read what he's seeing and you throw another one. Right. And, that, and then you strike him out or, you know, you go first pitch, say a slider down and he he's way early way out in front. It's like, all right, let's throw it again. He does the same exact thing. And it's, it's doing things like that where it's seeing, like it's reading how they swing, how they're, how, even how their takes are, if their takes are leaning way out in front. Um, it's just seeing how they react to different pitches, um, how their swings are, and then going forward and, and, using how they do things to to dictate what you're going to throw next
1: and it's a little it's a little easier at that level to to when some people are a little bit less competitive it's a little bit easier to like hey if they're if they can't hit the slider we're just going to throw the slider three times to strike them out but then when you're facing some good hitters that's when it gets really fun because he knows what you want to throw and then you know that he knows that you know so then it's just a bunch of reverse psychology and like at a point it's like playing mlb the show video game it's so fun it really is and to be able to to call a pitch and want it in a certain spot and he just dices it up every time and it's it's really fun it's it's and uh like i'll just give a, a little example the first game of the regional of this year james uh he usually long tosses for so long i usually have to get a, someone in the middle to to be the my relay guy because i can't throw as far as he can like not even close and before he, he wasn't throwing that far i was able to reach him anytime so i'm like he's throwing like 80 in the bullpen i'm just like what's going on here 17 strikeouts or something like what was it, like 15 strikeouts uh, and yeah. yeah 15 strikeouts guys pumping 90 91 the whole game it was it was so fun it's just there's nothing more fun than being able to call pitch and the guy can't hit. you just know that they're helpless and we're just yeah. having so much fun out there we're like we're smiling back and forth to each other also while james foaming out the mouth is pretty cool watching. <laughs> So I didn't, I didn't want to get too far into this, but I want to ask you because I know how passionate you are about baseball. Uh, for those of you who don't know about the the Astros scandal, one, get a Twitter because you live under a rock. Two, I'll give you a little background. The Astros have been one of the best teams in the last three to four years, and they they got caught cheating by relaying the uh, the catcher signs of what pitch was coming to the hitter. And they were doing that in numerous amount of ways through a buzzer on the shirt, through banging on a trash can, through whistling. It was all absolute bullshit. I'd rather actually someone take steroids than do what they did. And so I want to kind of gauge your mindset on what you thought. Being as a pitcher, because a lot of of pitchers, there's been a big dilemma with uh, a lot of pitchers that are getting called up and called down because they're getting rocked by the Astros. And these guys are trying to make a living and they're getting sent down to the minor leagues because they're having they're getting crushed by some team that's being able to cheat so it's actually losing people a lot of money and allowing people not to live out their dreams sometimes so it's bigger than just cheating
2: um yeah so it, it's just kind of it really is just bullshit um you have you have all these guys that that they are supposed to be really 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 good players like top of the line like mvp type players and you know they bring this whole thing of of cheating in that's what it's just cheating and um the biggest thing i i don't get is they you know they got caught for 2017 by the commissioner they went through the whole investigation um but nothing ever was brought up about 2018 or 2019 and all and all these reporters they ask them about different questions there's this whole you know they a different way they they supposedly cheated with the buzzers and there's they're asking these guys about these the, the other years and they're they're like oh well the the commissioner didn't find anything in those years or, Oh, we didn't use the trash cans. It's almost like they're implying that there was something else, some other way they're cheating. Like they're not going out there and just denying it, which I don't understand. If they just went out there and say, Hey, we didn't use buzzers or we didn't cheat in those years. It was just that one year. Like then it's like, all right, like that's what people want to hear. People want to hear them. Just they want to hear them dying it when, when they, when they denied the trash cans and then they get caught for it. And now they denied the buzzers. Like, like you don't you don't know what to believe. And the sick part is the
1: fact that they instead of fining the players and punishing the players, they're now protecting the players by saying they're gonna hand out a fine to any team that decides to throw at the hitters. If you decide that you want to throw a fastball and hit the guy because they were such a, a dick and cheated there, there for a while in their career, you're now going to get a fine instead of these guys getting punished in any way. The Astros, I think they got fined like a million bucks, lost a couple of draft picks. What's a million dollars
2: in a billion dollar organization? I know we kind of talked a lot about baseball, you know, athletics and like my what I actually do. I want to kind of bring in a couple of things I brought. Um, kind of, it, it can relate to business. It can relate to any type of trying to be successful. And uh, it's really two guys that I think a good amount of people should know Eric Thomas and David Goggins. Um, The two, I don't know Eric Thomas, he does a ton of speaking and does all these things, uh, preaching a lot of things. Um, But one of the things he talked about was um, he talked about, you know, when he, I don't know if he, he was mentioned as himself or as a, a story he heard, but he talked about this young guy, you know, going to this guru about how to be successful. All right. And he tells, he tells the young guy, he's like, comes to the beach tomorrow at just say five o'clock in the morning. So he shows up at the beach. He has a suit on and the guru has like shorts, regular stuff on. And the guy's looking, at him like, what are we doing here? And you know, he he's like, are you willing to succeed as bad as you want to breathe? And he's like, well, yeah. And then he's like, all right, walk out to the water. So they walk to the water together and he tells him to go underwater. So I, he's like, tell him, tell him to hold his breath as long as he can. Right. So he goes underwater and by the time he can't breathe, right? He's about to come up from underneath the water. The guru holds him down for, you know, a couple seconds, almost like he's going to drown him, right? Then lets him up. And he's like, What the hell? What the fuck's going on? He's like, Do you want to breathe? I do you want to succeed as much as you want to breathe? And, you know, I'm a little, little little, crazy up in the head. So I took this. I think I want to say it was going into my junior year. And I actually, uh, I basically tried it out on myself. I was in the, uh, I don't know if it was a hot or ice tub in the training room, but I was in there one morning by myself. So I went underneath the water. I, uh, I basically held my breath as long as I could. And right when I, I needed water, I basically just pushed myself under the water, like holding the sides a little bit. And, you know, my, in, in my, it probably does sound fucking crazy, but I basically wanted to like say to myself, you know, in that moment of like desperation of wanting to breathe, like, do I want to succeed that bad? And that goes down to, as an athlete that goes down to my work ethic, my, um, you know, my, like being in the moment mentally and knowing what I'm doing, but then that could also, that can translate into anything else. You know, any other business person, try, anyone being, trying to be successful in any way. Like if you want it that bad, you're going to do absolutely anything you want to, to get to that point. And then at that point, if you don't make it like, that's where you're okay with yourself. Cause then you're not like, Oh shit. Like, you know, two years ago, a couple months, you know, I was at partying and I didn't do as much as I could, maybe if I did that, but if from whatever point, if it starts today, tomorrow, whenever it is, like if you start and it's, you want to do everything as possibly bad as you can to get to that, to whatever it is, your goal is like, there's nothing that's going to one, nothing's going to hold you back. Cause you're going to, like I said, you're going to do everything that you want or know you need to do. And then if you don't get there, then, you know, it's like, Hey, like I, get, I literally gave my life to get there. And if I couldn't, if I didn't get there, then it's like, all right, you know what? Like, like I just couldn't do it. And that's, and that's, you're okay with yourself for that point.
0: James, you mentioned uh, Goggins, David, is it David mm-hmm. Goggins? Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm familiar with him as well. And um, are you, are you talking about the the 40% role that the Navy yeah, yeah. SEALs live by?
2: Yeah. So I, I have that and a couple other things that, you know, I, I mean, he preaches a lot of things. It's, it's really just like, it's really ha- like he talks about having a fuck you mentality and like that's really just going out there and like I like I just mentioned before about my rant of Eric Thomas's story like it's really just going out there and like like I don't care what you think of me or I don't care if you doubt me or I don't care if you know for me as an athlete if it's snowing out and I have to run today I'm going to get my ass outside I'm going to go do my running like it doesn't matter I follow him on on Instagram I believe his Instagram name is is what his name is David Goggins I could be wrong but I believe that's what it is. Um, and two other things he talks about, he he says no one feels bad for you. And that's kind of what Anthony was talking about. Like, he, like he he felt bad, like he thought the world owed him something. He's told me this, you know. Like, and then he got over and he realized like no one cares. Like, no one feels bad for you. You know, if you didn't, you didn't get the job you wanted, or you didn't get to the position you wanted. You know, like all these different scenarios of not getting there. Like, no one gives a shit. Like, you have to. You have to keep pushing forward. The last little point that I've gotten from him is it's you against you, and I kind of I've kind of been going on about the whole mental uh, mental fight and pushing for yourself, but it really is you against you. If you could do everything that you know you're capable of and more, you're going to set yourself up for whatever it is that you want to do. Like if you want to get the job, if you want to get the promotion, if you want to, you know, as an athlete, if you want to get the scholarship you want to get drafted like it's you against yourself no one's gonna help you out no one's gonna make you do stuff
1: well said everything's uh it's bigger than baseball we're not here to just talk about baseball that that's that's life guys go it's great to have a long-term vision but what are you doing today what are you doing in this hour in this minute to go get there
2: right
0: James Varela thanks for coming on man
2: yeah thank you guys for having me hope I uh gave you guys some good information you know But, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome chatting with you guys, trying to get a little bit of myself, my story out there. So I appreciate it.
1: And we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on James's journey. With that being said, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later.
0: for tuning in to the Learn Lead Podcast, where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guest coming soon. Make sure to like and subscribe.